listener. KickPod acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Yulikert Woolen Clan of the Boon Wurrung, who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to our elders, past and present, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the KickPod, your DM on the stuff that matters, but also the stuff that doesn't. One, two, three, four. Guys, happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> if you are already on holidays, love to you. I hope you are having a joyous time. If you're not, don't worry. We're in that with you. We are in it with you. <laughs> we are so close. And if you have no holidays coming up, clo- I hope that just it's means close you've got to your something next to look one. forward to when everyone else is at work. Next year. Yeah, next year. But anyway, general happiness. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) We wanted to share some conversations with you over the break that you might not have heard before. Uh, This one is actually from The Imperfects, so it's a bit of a Probably probably haven't heard of it. It's like a really small podcast. You probably never heard us speak about it. It I mean, if you've been listening to us, you would have absolutely known who The Imperfects I don't know. I I think it's a really small thing. You've put it in about 15. special shares over two years, I reckon. Probably more. I, I reckon more. I no, reckon. but that's special spe- <laughs> shares specific and then you've probably referenced it maybe up to 100 times. So what, what we're saying is that was obviously satire. It is very big, a very big podcast and it is likely you've heard of it, but just in case you haven't. Oh, just in case you haven't. So hosts Hugh, Ryan and Josh share about their struggles and imperfections, which is incredibly refreshing as three male podcast hosts, um, to be so open. And they often invite guests to do the same to help listeners reflect on their own lives. We've both been lucky enough to be on their pod. We have. Mm. Mine was more recent, which came out this year and you were one of the OGs. Well, it was in COVID. I was virtual from my bedroom. Oh, virtual. (laughs) Virtual. (laughs) So yes, it was a while ago. It was. And so we wanted to share a little bit of each chat with you, the bits we think, not to pump ourselves up, because that's a bit weird, isn't it? Like we think you'll know. The bits we think that you will get the most out of. Yes. So in my episode, I spoke to them about body image and comparison, um, basically why we created Kick in the first place and a lot about my story, um, you know, when I was living in New York and kind of when I was at rock bottom with my body image and my relationship with food and exercise. And in my episode, I was responding to the question, how do you feel people talk about you behind your back, which is where this conversation starts from. When I hear this question, I mean, you could think about it as positive things, but that's probably not, I suppose, where many of us would go as as the first thought. Mm. I think when I really ask myself what this is, and I think it's interesting, especially in what we do in that what people say behind our back is often on the internet for us to read. Right. Mm. And I do read a lot of it. Really? Yes. Why? Yeah, I, I mean, it's something that Steph, um, my business partner and best friend, asked me all the time why I read it. I, I think I have... We're talking about like the negative like troll negative, type comments. Negative, of course. Yeah, okay, yeah. 
I have, I think it was maybe through high school. It's something that I, I've never been the smartest or the best at every, anything. I was always kind of in the B team with sport, but I just loved it. So I participated mm. with school. I was never, you know, those kids that can just get through and they get everything right and they don't have to study. I was never one of those, but I did know, I do know that if I, and I learned through school that if I tried my uh, like worked my ass off and I studied every single hour. Like in year 12, I'd lock myself or went to the library for 12 hours a day. I could then, if I worked really hard, then I could achieve the things that mm. I wanted to achieve. And so with that knowledge, I think I've then applied that to my life, which I do, I am very grateful for because I absolutely would not be where I am today without putting that extreme pressure on myself. Mm. However, I think at the same time as well, because I put so much pressure on myself to be everything to everyone and be the best at what I do and with the work that we do at Kick, help as many people as we can, I then find sometimes that self-sabotage is and going and reading those troll comments and taking it on board. Like I've had times when I've gone and read these horrible internet blogs where everything's anonymous and read things about myself and taken on the feedback but I think that I, I, yeah, I do, I do go to it because I feel like it's this thing that I can't keep coming back to of, oh, well, if I, I can always be better and better and better, but obviously it's not helpful to take on the stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, like when I, cause when I think not, not to make it a, a, about my experience at all, but when, you know, I've, I've been relatively lucky that I haven't had that much trolling in the past, but I have, I've had bits and pieces over the years, but I think the more I get older um i'm now in my late 60s so um i i'm less affected by what people say online because it's not actually behind my back it's just they're, they're just trying to get attention of some sort which for whatever reason it, it could be for a number of reasons but it's the things that because we all i think it's when i find myself talking about someone else behind their back i then sometimes think hang on if I'm talking about other people, other yeah, people scary, are talking right? about me. Yeah. Do you ever think about it like from that point of view, like away from the online, but like more and not even, and, and even, I mean, this may be, this may be not what you're thinking at all and it may not be an issue at all for you, but I don't even really think about it in terms of my work. Hmm. I think about it in terms of my friends. Like your personality. My, my, like, yeah, my personality. Like hmm. what are, what are people... What, when people jump in their cars at the end of like hanging out, going at a barbecue, what are people, what are people saying about me? You know, that's confronting. That's that that that's what that's what it brings up for me. And I just wanted to only bring that up just to see if that ever come, if you ever think about it from that point of view. I think it's interesting. I for me, I, I find separating the online stuff. Obviously, they're strangers and they're anonymous. But mm. I feel like sometimes when you read stuff online, that are the things that are your biggest insecurities right. and you've seen someone type oh, sure. it out, yeah. then you believe it and then sometimes. And then when you have people in your real life, because obviously the internet is not the real world, you then imagine them saying that. Even when we have people on the podcast sometimes, after they leave I'll think, oh, I, I talked about myself too much, I didn't listen enough they're going to think I'm, I didn't ask good enough questions, that I'm not smart enough, that I shouldn't be doing this podcast, and they're going to think they've wasted their time. Mm. And that happens a lot. I think that's something, I suppose that's social anxiety because it's questioning, 
you know, it's even when I have a, a birthday or something, I'll run around to everyone and I'm getting better at it now. But there was a time where I'd run around to everyone and be like, oh, you don't have to stay. You, please, please, no, you can leave at any time. <laughs> or it's like when you ask someone if they're available, like to catch up or whatever, it's like checking first, making sure. Or if you have anything else on, like, please, like, make sure you, you, you do that. Don't think you have to hang out with me. Because it's like mm. that fear of you'd never want anyone else oh, yeah. to be. And I, and I think that maybe comes from because I'm a people pleaser and I really struggle to say no, I often find myself in situations sometimes where I don't want to be somewhere just because I'm, you know, when you burn out and you're really exhausted and you're like, why, why did I, I'm, I shouldn't, I should have said no. And so I think because I have those thoughts, I then think that in every other situation I'm in that people would be having the same thoughts about me, uh, if yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So like self-doubt around mm. social situations, is that like a thing that you experience? Yeah. It's just think kind of questioning everything that you have said and then it, it's funny, there's all these funny memes online about it, but it's g- genuinely me sometimes and Steph will always laugh about it. But I'll have said something to someone three years ago and I'm still thinking about if mm. that was the reason we never spoke again or right. if they thought, you know, made something up about me in their head or thought, took that and now have told other people what I said. And often when I've spoken to people about it, they then say, I honestly don't remember mm. what you're talking about. Mm. However, it's consumed me, mm. you know, in or taken up mental load for a very, very long time. Mm. To the extent where you where you won't, you'll avoid talking to that person again because you're worried that you've offended them or something. Oh, probably over. I'll probably go above and beyond to be like super as nice to them as possible and put myself second all the time because I'm so worried that I've offended them that time three mm. years ago. So then it's like I just have to over exaggerate everything that I do mm. instead of just talking to them about it, mm-hmm. which I found every time it's like, it's fine. Sorry if this sounds like a really strange question considering what you've just been talking about, but, and you don't have to go here, but what's your favorite cereal? <laughs> <laughs> that is a sidestep. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you were what is sort it? of setting up. <laughs> I'm interested. Yeah. Oh, cereal? Seriously, every day I have Milo cereal at three o'clock at the Whoa, office. Oh, wow. Milo, Milo cereal. I did not yeah. expect that With no milk. Answer. Hang on, is Milo cereal not just for breakfast. M- Milo in a bowl? <laughs> no, it's in these little cute shell shapes. Oh, sure, sure, It makes sure. a big crunch okay. when you eat it Especially if you don't milk. have milk. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Sorry, Josh, Sorry, I'm completely sorry. derailed. That's I'm a- glad we went there. That's <laughs> yeah. really important. There's the promo. This is vulnerable. Um, when you were talking about your, you sort of used it to set up the story, but you said, I'm not one of those people who's very good at things or like, I'm always a B, B Mm -hmm. team to, to summarize, but I learned that if I worked hard enough, I could be what I wanted to be. Can you, where did that come from? Where did, where did the sort of that voice saying that I'm not an A team person, do you know when that? Do, do you remember when that started happening or where that began? I think possibly it was and a moment I think back to was when I was in year nine and my education for my mum especially was extremely important that we got the best education possible and that we were able to, my parents separated when we were in, when I was in grade seven, grade six or grade seven. And my mum wasn't working full time at that point and then had to go and work full time and which was fine, but it was, she'd been out of the work 
force for a little bit. Mm. Um, and my mum, I think, was so scared that something like that would happen to us and that we wouldn't have, because often in heterosexual relationships, mums stay home and then what happens with that is then you're obviously out of the workforce and then you don't, to go back into work, then you don't have the same earning mm. capacity, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So my mum was, a, we had a sticker on our fridge that said, a man is on a financial plan growing up. My dad's in my life too, but mum was very, very, and I knew for her, me achieving in school was ex- so important to her. And she also worked so hard to send us to the school. We went to a Catholic school and my mum worked her absolute ass off to send us to that mm. school and sacrificed a lot for us. And yeah. so I remember in year nine, I tried out for, what did I do? I did McRob. Yeah. Yeah. Select entry. Select, Select entry. Yeah, so it's yeah. like Melbourne High. Did you go to Melbourne High? No. Oh, okay. I don't know why you did. <laughs> I'm, I am wearing a I went to Melbourne High t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I understand you did. I think, think you're thinking of Richard Van Kylenberg, our dad. Yeah, That's dad. Did he go to Melbourne? Yeah, he did. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I know, and, know and your dad. And our mum went to Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. People often get me and their dad mixed up. Yeah, he's not our dad. This is our friend. Yeah, I'm a friend and not a dad. He is 60, but that's maybe a confusing part. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, Laura. This is derailing derails. <laughs> no, yeah. but I did. So I did the the yeah, McRob, which where, where your yeah. mum went. I wasn't actually, I don't know your dad, but I hope maybe to meet him one day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know he's him lovely. Again. Yeah, he's great. You would love him. Yeah. Anyway, so I did the McRob uh, test. I did the MLC test and I didn't, I can't remember the other school. I did another test to get a scholarship. To go because I I just knew that if I could get into a school like that, it would help me get hopefully, which is I now know is not true, but get a better ATAR, get a better education. Mm. I had a fantastic education. Did you, did sorry to jump in? Did you at that stage have the awareness that if you got a scholarship, it would ease the financial strain on your mum? Yes, absolutely. Because mm. their mum wouldn't have to pay my current school fees and dad and so I did those tests and I. Almost got into all of them, but I didn't. <laughs> and I think ever from that point, I knew that I wasn't quite there. Mm. So I think absolutely from that point, it's been that I know that I'm not at the level I expect of myself or that other people are at. And so for me to get there, I have to push myself to extreme levels and do a lot of work. Mm. But I can't let that level go. What, what do, you, do you mind if we come back to? You said before that the comments that you've read um, aligned with your fears of what people maybe said about you. Mm. Do you remember what the comments are, or do you? Yeah, I, I could probably find one. Oh, is it on your phone? Yeah, the phone that ironically says you're exactly where you need to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you suck. That's on the back. That's on the back. <laughs> the front is the dangerous part. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't want Do you it to mind be- me asking why you saved them? I think it's it's two things. One one is that there's probably when I saved them, it was like this is constructive feedback that I can take on to be better at what I do, mm. which is for everyone listening, the dumbest. I would never advise that. It's <laughs> no. so dumb, dumb. Mm. Like honestly. Yeah. And then the other part is because I, I I'm going to read it, but I feel like as I'm about to read this, now, I'm thinking. I think there's also this comfort comfort of it being in the corner of the internet where only trolls go to now reading it out in front of a lot of a very, very big audience. 
so I, I suppose that right now, if I'm being honest with myself, I have a fear that people li- will listen and be like, oh, yeah, whatever, anonymous, oh, 899, right. right. will agree with that, yeah. right. But then there's also... You don't also, have to read it out. You don't have to read no, it out. No, no, it's okay because I think there's also the other side of it that is I'm taking back the power in reading it out. Mm-hmm. Okay, I found two. Laura Henshaw, Queen of Virtue Signaling, anyone who consistently tries to portray themselves as some innocent person that cries and feels sad for people all the time is generally going to be the opposite in real life. Lol, Laura Henshaw is a basket case with absolutely no emotional resilience and so much privilege. Can tell she's never been through a difficult life experience before. She's so out of touch. Laura just has very little personality. Laura is boring as batshit, hence the weird attention-seeking and lack of awareness of her privilege. She's so thin and doesn't look fit and healthy at all. She looks like a bobble head. There you go. Jeez. I mean, that is... I don't know what to say to those. Like, it's just, kind of... I mean, I think... Do you when you when you read them like you've had some distance from it you've had some time to like yeah. read them now? And I don't know. I'm crying because I don't. I, no, they're but it so is. Mean. It's so it's re, it's yeah, really mean. It's, mean. it's like really mean. mean to you. It's and like a, a horrible thing to write to anyone. Um, but what do you think about? Do you think at all about the people who've written them? Yeah, I mean that's practical. And I mean I talk mm. about it all the time in all the work that I do. But when you actually yeah, think about it. Stops. I think I have this fear, and this is something that especially with my uh, little sisters, we talk about this all the time. I have to show up to the world at 110% or whatever it might be, every single, like with being the most positive person, extremely kind, all those things that I, that I truly am mm. because I'm so worried that people will, will think that I'm inauthentic and write things. Mm-hmm. With the work that we do at Kick, a lot of people find like we get incredible stories that you know kicks change their life and the their relationship with themselves and with exercise and with their body and that's amazing and so I think because I put so much pressure on myself to uphold that which is so important it's like well maybe it's just everyone on the internet that's never met me thinks this but the people that know me don't the things that you talk about in your podcast and through kick clearly has a very specific set of like values that are obviously really important Mm -hmm. to you as well it's sort of like a weird blurred line I find that when we do things like professionally where we're ourselves, like even here us doing the imperfects, mm-hmm. there's this weird blurred line between the person that we are and the person that we are at the imperfects. Mm-hmm. And so people, although like we speak a certain way on a, on our podcast, I wouldn't necessarily speak the way I speak on the podcast at a dinner party because mm. it would just be weird. <laughs> People would be like, why'd you bring a deck of cards? <laughs> yeah, and a microphone. <laughs> and a microphone. But, it's, but it's, it's more like the, I guess, the persona, which mm. we all have personas. And I, I, I think a lot about this at the moment, which is that I, I don't even think I know who I really am, like mm. who is the real authentic version of me without the curation that goes into the people that I'm with. So if like I'm with a certain, if I come on your podcast unconsciously, I'm, I'm being a certain person because I want to fit in and I want to belong on that podcast. Same when I'm with you guys on the imperfects, mm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I want to bring a certain amount of vulnerability that I probably wouldn't bring when I'm hanging out with other friends who wouldn't value it or care mm. about it as much. So I just wonder with, with, 
with you, Laura, uh, p- the people who are commenting, I just wonder whether it's hard or easy to separate the comments that are coming at you or coming at your kick version of yourself. And then how much separation even is there between the two? Is that a really rambly question? Does that make sense? I, I think if anyone comments on my body, I don't really do modelling anymore at all. If mm. I did a shoot and someone said I look shit, honestly, I probably do because I don't really know how to move my body. So that, that mm-hmm. couldn't care less. Nothing to do with my self-worth for me right now and I've worked really hard to get here is connected with the way that my body is. Mm-hmm. However, if it's anything to do with the work that we do with Kick and I think this is what happens when you found a company that is so intertwined with your personal values and what you believe in and what I care so much about. When people question that, that's when it's really hard to make that separation. But I think too in terms of I'm really conscious right now that people would be listening and being like, why would you get this person on your podcast who's just crying and having a pity party or whatever? And I I don't want it to come across like that at all because I think for me it's knowing that I get those comments that people will say, you know, we're not doing a good enough job or we're not good enough or in anything. I think what for me in living my authentic self and I don't know who I am. I still I I think we're we're always going to be working out. If I think I stripped everything back, especially took kick out of me, I don't know who I am without kick. Mm. I truly don't. It's kind of very scary to think about. Even though I know that I'm not good enough, I'm not as good as the best person that's ever done a podcast or, um, you know, I might do a TV interview and I am I might think, oh, my, oh, I think of Jamila Rizvi and I'll be like, oh, God, oh, I should think of how she does interviews and I suck and I shouldn't be doing this. But it's getting up the next time and doing it again, even though I know that I haven't solved the criticism or the, the issues that people have with me and I'm not perfect, but I'm not living my life for them, for the trolls, right? I, I hope no one lives their life for trolls. That would be mm. that would be a horrible, mm. horrible life to live. Yeah. Have you gone through stages of your career where you've looked at other models or other people and thought, oh, I wish I, I my hair looked like that or I wish, you know, whatever. I don't know what it would be in your in your situation. Um, mm-hmm. But is, have you experienced moments like that or times like that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like we fall into the comparison trap um, into the area that we're the most insecure. So, you know, for those who don't feel like they're fulfilled in their job, they're probably looking at other people's, you know, jobs or careers on Instagram or places like that and being like, oh, I wish... I could do that or I wish I could be happy doing what I do or um and then for me at that time all that I you know my my all my value and all that I cared about was the way I looked so that's all that I focused on on other people if I saw someone um that I thought had you know prettier face or like better legs or I don't know what like or just the littlest things I would just obsess with that and and back then it was also you know Instagram, which is why it's so scary. And I really feel for, you know, younger girls in high school these days with Instagram around, because I know how impression, like how easily um, influenced I would have been in high school. um, If I had saw someone that I thought that I wanted to look like, and then they were telling me what they ate and, you know, where they went to the gym or whatever, like I can see very easily and clearly now how, um, how strong that influence would have been um, on me, particularly when I was in that really raw um, kind of down point where I was super, super low on myself. So when I came back to Australia, 
I think the best thing was I came back. Um, not only was I surrounded by friends and family again, but I got to work with the clients who loved me for me and, mm. you know, weren't interested in me losing weight. They'd never asked for me to lose weight. Um, in fact, they like fed me chocolate and sandwiches and stuff on set, you know, like it was just, it was very different. And, um, it did take a while. Like I have a lot of people contact me cause they know that I've been through something like this and they're kind of like, you know, I feel like I'm going through the journey. I feel like I'm getting better, but you know, I still have days where I feel really, really guilty about what I've eaten. And like to those people who are thinking that, um, that happened for years afterwards, like it's not something that goes away overnight, particularly if it's a habit that you pick up and you kind of stick with for a little while, it's really hard to shake those kind of habits. Um, and for me, it wasn't until, you know, Kick really started, Keep a Cleaner, our business started to grow and the community started to blossom and I started to learn from, you know, our own community about their own journeys and fitness and health journeys that they'd been on. And I started to really fall in love with exercise and eating and having a more balanced life um, for so many other reasons outside of, you know, how it might make you look. And I started to step away a little bit from the industry. Like it's only been more recently that I um, have had to step back quite a lot only because I don't have that much time on my hands to do that much modeling anymore. Um, But when I did start to kind of step back and only really work with those clients that, you know, made me feel amazing, it just made the world of difference on, on my confidence. And it started to shift my perspective a little bit. And I just didn't I didn't care so much about the way I looked. And once I started to value other parts of myself, like, you know, my empathy for others and, you know, working with the community and then working on kick and all that other stuff that fueled me, I just, I wasn't focusing so much on the way that I looked. So I was suddenly able to look at a beautiful person and appreciate how gorgeous they were, but not feel that jealousy anymore because it wasn't something that I really valued or cared too much about anymore. Um, so, and that was definitely the trigger for me. I think when you go through something like an eating disorder or, um, you know, a bad relationship with food and exercise, there's always some, there's like an underlining issue there that that's making you do these things. Um, for some people it's because they feel like they have no control in anything else in life, but they have control over what they look like or like how they eat or, you know, how much they exercise. And so that's something that they get obsessive with. For me, it was just that I just cared way too much about losing weight and the way that I looked that, you know, if I wasn't working, if I wasn't on a job, that day was all about like exercising Mm. (laughs) and eating the right thing. And yeah, it just wasn't a very good cycle. Yeah, it's very impressive. I mean, you've been on an incredible journey in the last sort of six or seven years when you look back to where you were when you, you know, um, in New York to where you are now and providing this resource to girls all over the country to help them. Um, I used to teach at a, at a girls' school uh, many, many years ago. Um, and, you know, the, I mean, the reason I first taught at a girls' school was really because of my sister. I had this thought when I was 20, I don't know, 23 or 24, and I started teaching. I was like, I'll go to a girls' school and I'll teach there, mm-hmm. and the girls I'm teaching won't have an eating disorder. <laughs> I don't know how I thought I was going to stop them, but that was like my, my big thing. Unfortunately, I did see a lot of that. But the other, there's two other things I saw a lot of as well, and I, I'm interested to know if you experience them still, despite the fact you're doing so well at the moment. And the first one is self-doubt. Is that something that you still experience from time to time? Yeah, I think... For me personally, I grew up a really overly confident kid and I think I got a lot of that 
gene maybe from my dad. He's just so confident in his own skin. He's loud and he's proud and he's a bit weird, um, but we all love him. <laughs> and I think I took after him in that. And I think that's why I was so confident in front of the camera or like, you know, I even did drama and dancing and all this other stuff. I thought I was going to be in performing arts my entire life. And then I realized I wasn't really good at anything else other than modeling. So I stuck with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, I've got a lot of confidence, but in the areas where I feel like I struggle, for example, when I was in high school, I wasn't that academic. You know, I got out of maths when I could, I dropped science when I could. Um, I did English because I I'd kind of enjoyed, I enjoyed writing and the creativity of English, but I actually wasn't that great at like spelling and everything. Um, but all my subjects that I did in high school were like studio arts, food tech, health, PA, um, just all, all the stuff that I felt like fueled me and I enjoyed and I was good at. And um, I would actually, you know, my brain would switch on because I was interested in it. If I tried to sit through a maths class towards the end, I just, my brain like switched off. And it's funny how that's kind of you know, now in the business, running the business, obviously there's areas that I don't feel that skilled at, but I still have to be across. Um, I've had to kind of train my brain into listening and doing its best to learn. Um, but I think that's the most beautiful thing about Laura and I and the way we work together is we, whilst we have the same goals, same ambitions, and we agree on so much, like we rarely disagree, we have completely different strengths. So we're able to, you know, kind of share the load really well and work with the team in different ways because um, we really respect each other's strengths and, mm. you know, it's not like I get upset with her if she can't see a design fault in the app and then she doesn't get upset with me if I don't understand something in a contract because <laughs> that's just, you know, where our strengths are. And I think the only time I've felt, you know, self-doubt is when I've felt the pressure, I suppose, before I opened up to Lauren, before we had a chat about, you know, kind of focusing more on different areas. I was really insecure about certain things. Like I'd be in a conversation where we were talking about data and analytics and all this sort of stuff. And it was going in one ear and out the other. And I just kind of pretended I was really into it. And I knew exactly what they were talking about. And um, then I just feel really insecure if I got asked a question or like if my thought, you know, what do you, what do you think? I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'd, you know, what you guys said. Analytics. You know? <laughs> um, and so I think that's when I started to doubt myself because I was like, you say you're an entrepreneur, you say you're a business owner, and there's so much of your business that you just can't seem to grasp. Like no matter how many meetings you sit in, no matter how many times you've asked for help, you just can't seem to get your head around it. And for a long time, I put a lot of pressure on myself, um, you know, to try and know everything and like, be able to do everything. And then I started to realize and I started to talk to other people who, you know, were in a similar position and they were kind of like, why do you think businesses have a team? Like, why do you think you hire like someone who's like really great at marketing or um, whatever you need to fill? It's because like, you can't do everything. You can't do everything perfectly. And of course, as a business owner, it's important to be across a lot of stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, you can't kind of force your mind into enjoying or, you know, understanding things that just might not necessarily come natural to you. And I think once I learned that and once I opened up to Laura about how I felt like, you know, I wasn't pulling my weight because I wasn't, you know, strong in those areas. And she was like, what are you talking about? Like, okay, let's talk about that because I kind of feel that way in those sort of meetings. And we started to just be really open and honest with each other. And that's kind of how I was able to get over self-doubt and, and realize that it wasn't it wasn't a problem. Like it's okay to feel yeah. those feelings. I, I, you're speaking to someone. Yes, 
<laughs> I, I dropped out of maths in as soon as I could. As soon as you're allowed to drop yeah. out of maths, I did that. As soon as you could drop out of science, I dropped out of science. Same. <laughs> um, because I was just, I was so bad at it. And I, to the point where like now, I, you know, with, with, with the resilience project business, I, we have a, a bookkeeper and accountant and then there's like a external group who do our finance stuff. When we have meetings early on in the resilience project, when I was trying to fake so much, I was on top of everything, that's explain money things to me and I'd go, yeah, good, good. And I'd like sort of write yeah. stuff down and go, yeah, it sounds good. And then when that asked questions, I'd go, yeah, no, that's, yeah, they're good, good. And just, I had no <laughs> idea what was going on. But now, and I had so much self-doubt about like, how can you run a business Mm. that's reaching so many people and you don't even understand the money behind it. And now mm. I've got to the point where I actually say to everyone, guys, I have no idea what you're talking about. Please try and explain it in language I'd understand. And mm. then I, and there's something about, I know, being a lot more honest about your insecurities and your self-doubt that like people don't, people don't go, this guy's an idiot. Like what do we, no. well, well, maybe they do and they don't say it to my face, but like, <laughs> but, but it's, um, yeah, as soon as you're a bit more honest about what you're insecure about or what your self-doubt is, you realize yeah. it's it's a bit of a silly thing and then people will try and support you. A hundred percent. And it's definitely like insecurity. And it's it, it's exactly like when I think back to being in high school and having those subject choices as my electives and everything, like a hundred percent, I felt judgment on, you know, picking quotation marks, the easy subjects, yeah. because for, you know, people who were studying like ancient Greek or psychology and stuff, they might've looked at that as, um, I don't know, an, an unimportant subject. Literally every single one of my subjects that I did got marked down. Um, but because of that system, I always had in the back of my mind that, yeah, I was, I don't know, not dumb, but like, yeah, lacked in those areas. And that has definitely carried through into the business now, but um, not anymore. Like I feel a lot more confident in myself mm. in, in what I do bring to the table. Um, and you're so right. Once you start being honest about it and open about it, you know, I was able to learn the basic things that I could that I could sit in a meeting and I can understand now and I'm not just nodding along and not actually listening. I do understand it and I do get it, but I just, I might not always have, you know, something to say or I might not have something to add um, because I'm not that confident in those areas, but I'm lucky I've got Laura that is and she will always have something to say or something to add in those areas. So, um, yeah, I think once you once you realise you can't be good at everything and just be open to learning, it, mm. you become a lot easier on yourself. <laughs> Well, we hope you guys enjoyed a little bit of both of our episodes on The Imperfects. Search The Imperfects wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to listen to the if rest. If you want to listen if to If you more. don't. Well, I'm sad. No, you do whatever you want. They also have had life. really incredible guests outside of ourselves. So there's a lot well, to listen there. Have they? No, jokes. <laughs> they have. That is a large joke. And and the other thing, they're going on tour in the new year. Their tour is, I've never been. I actually am jealous every single time I see. Why don't you go? I know. I know. I'm jealous of <laughs> Laura. The tickets the are available at www.livenation.com.au. So get on it. I will. <laughs> so then I'm not jealous next time I see everyone who goes. Thank you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll Hope your holidays your are soon. We will be back next week. Yeah. The end. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>